I want to look today, the title of today's message, as it were, is Rest for Today. Now, if you were tuned in the Sunday before last, you will note, or you will know, that I am speaking about the rest of your life. And I was talking about the rest of your life in terms of how it is that we're about to go through a change. We were talking about how uh, sociologists and economists are saying that there's a pre-COVID period and a post-COVID period, that we are at somehow in a paradigm shift in the way that we live and that we're entering a new normal. And what I wanted to look at was the two ideas that come together, and that is the rest of your life in terms of what remains in your time of your life, and also how we can experience rest in our lives. And one of the one the quotes I used, I don't have it up here today, one of the quotes I used was this, um, the rest of your life can be a life of rest if you trust in God and if you believe what he has to say about your life and about your reality, you can know God's rest at work in your life. But entering that rest actually takes work. But to achieve that rest actually takes work because sometimes we think, ah, oh, well, let's just rest and throw up your feet. And we looked at the, the Sabbath. We looked at the Sabbath in the Old Testament and how God intended us to take a break and to take a rest so that we would reflect and remember um, on God's goodness to us in our lives and how it was in the fourth commandment and how it's the biggest commandment, actually, as it turns out. It's the most wordy commandment with the most pieces attached to it. But all of that besides, we know that in the New Testament, our rest comes in the form or in the person of Jesus. Not in a practice, not in a place, not in a philosophy, but in a person, and that person is Jesus. I quoted this verse from John's Gospel, chapter 6, and verse 29, Jesus said this, Jesus told them, this is the only work that God wants from you. Believe in the one that he has sent. Believe in the one that he has sent. We've often quoted John 3.16, you're very familiar with it. For God so loved the world um, that he gave his only son that whosoever believes. What does that believe? It means to cling to. It means to trust. It means to hold onto. It means to obey. It means to listen to. It means pay attention to. It means to follow. And it's the same here. Jesus is saying, this is the work that God, the only work God wants you to do is to believe the one that he has sent. If you can believe in that one and believe what he has said about you and about your life and about the Father in heaven, you will automatically know the rest of God at work in your life. But even that takes work. It takes attention. It means we have to pay attention to this thing in our life. I want to go forward into the story by going back a little bit. I looked last week, or sorry, the week before last, on Tuesday before last, I looked at Hebrews chapter 4 and what it says about rest. But I want to draw, drop down a little bit of a backdrop to that this morning. And I want to look at two things, two things that really need to pay attention from Hebrews chapter 4 as well. I want to look, I want to go back in time. Um, as it were, I wanted to do, do a journey in time uh, into back into the Old Testament, back to Deuteronomy. I'm going to back to Deuteronomy chapter 1. You go, oh no, we're going to read the Old Testament. Yes, we're going to read a little bit of the Old Testament. But I want to start off in Deuteronomy chapter 1. One of the points that is made in the book of Hebrews, and we'll get to it in a second, was that God had called his people out of Egypt, and he brought them down to Mount Sinai, and he gave them the law. And he said, it's really simple. Obey me, obey my law, and I will bless you. You will have rest in the land that you're about to enter. Do what I tell you to do. And it wasn't onerous and it wasn't difficult and it wasn't hard. God's instructions were actually light and delightful if you examine them and form the basis for most of our modern law, by the way, for what it's worth. But that's another day's story. Anyway, he said to them, just do that and you 
can, you know, you'll enter the promised land and it's a land flowing with milk and honey and, and vines and olive trees and, and the milk and, and copper in the hills and gold and iron. It was a fantastic place that he was bringing them to. He said, all you've got to do is obey me. But we know, for those of us who've read the Old Testament, that that's not quite how it worked out. And you know, it's there as a warning to us, because it says it actually in Hebrews chapter 4, that their experience serves as a warning to us. Let me look at just one verse, perhaps one of the saddest verses in the book of Deuteronomy. Now, I like, I like a sad verse every now and again, because it makes me reflect when I say, I like verses that have a tone that make me reflect and sometimes encourage me again to look again and stay more close to the Lord. Because here is a curious verse, and you mightn't find it in the same way as I do, but I find this verse just a little bit sad. It says, normally, it takes 11 days to travel from Mount Sinai to Kadesh Barnea, going by the way of Mount Seir. Now, it normally takes only 11 days travel to go from Mount Sinai, down in the bottom of the Sinai Peninsula, to a place called Kadesh Barnea, which is right on the border of Canaan, right on the border of the Promised Land. But it goes on to say this, but 40 years after the Israelites left Egypt, on the first day of the 11th month, Moses addressed the people of Israel. So the, the writer is contrasting 40 years versus 11 days. I know not many of you like maps. I like maps, but it's okay. I, and I'm, I won't have her for too long. So this is a Google map of the journey from Sinai, now known as Sharm el-Sheikh. Well, it's called Sharm el-Sheikh here. I think Sharm el-Sheikh's on the coast. But now. Here's Mount Sinai. And here is Kadesh Barnea at the top. Now, this is a, a Google Maps a distance uh, for how, how long it would take to walk from Sharm el-Sheikh or to walk from Mount Sinai to Kadesh Barnea. And it says here, three days and six hours. And you might go, hang on a second, the Bible is wrong. It only takes three days and six hours to walk there. Slow down a minute. Because that is three full days, three 24-hour days, 72 hours, plus a further six hours. That's 78 hours of traveling. If you traveled on these roads for seven hours a day, remembering that's probably what the Israelites would have traveled. They would have traveled a little bit in the morning and then stopped and traveled a little bit in the evening. It takes, guess what? 11 days to travel that journey and take them right to the border and it's right here at this border that it's reflecting that it normally takes 11 days to make this journey but in their case it took them 40 years it took them 40 years to learn to learn their mistakes it took them 40 years before they could even come near to enter God's rest here he says it normally takes 11 days and I just translated into it how many days is it 14,600 days so they could have entered the promised land after 11 days after they began the journey from Sinai. Instead, they wasted 14,600 days because they didn't believe the promises of God. Because they didn't trust God. They didn't believe that God would do what he said he would do. It can be the same for us. We can even be believers, Christian believers, holding on by our fingertips and yet still waste so many years not entirely believing what, that God will do what he can do. And they were just simply afraid. They got the report from the spies. You have to read it yourself. They got the report from the spies and they erupted and they said, no, we can't go into the land. We're afraid. And God said, no, you can do it. I'm going to be with you. And they said, no, we can't do it. And the cost was 40 years, 14,600 days. It cost them to resist God's instruction to go and take the land that he had given them. And what's even sadder is that they wouldn't go in because they were afraid. 
And then the Lord says to them through Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 1, again, something to reflect on and maybe even something prophetic this morning. I will give the land to your little ones, your innocent children. You were afraid they would be captured, but they will be the ones who will occupy it. You were afraid you wouldn't enter the land because you thought that they would be captured, but they're the ones who will actually end up taking the land. Can I shout out to your parents, being a parent myself and knowing what it's like to be a parent. Don't be afraid for your children. Trust God. Pray faithfully and leave them in God's hands. Remember this, your children are God's care even more than they are your care. He watches over them even more than you can ever watch over them. Do you know why? Because you can only watch over them some of the time. But that your Father in heaven watches over them all of the time. And you know, I want to say to some of you there, maybe your, your grandparents, maybe you're separated from your kids, or maybe your kids are getting older and, and maybe they don't want much to do with you or much to do with the faith. Trust this. They will be the ones who will inherit the land. I'm going to speak that word prophetically to some this morning who are genuinely worried about their children, genuinely worried maybe about their grandchildren. They're in God's hands. Don't be afraid. I want to say as well, I want to go back now, as it were, and flash forward to the warning that's there in Hebrews. Now, I know I read this on Tuesday before last, some of this. I read about half of this on Tuesday before last. But it's always worth looking at. Again, remember, again in Deuteronomy, it reminds, repeat, repeat, repeat the laws and the instructions of God. When we repeat something, we, we, we massage it into our minds. We bring it to the fore of our minds when we repeat something, when we say something again and again, when we look at God's word, when we memorize it, or when we come back to it time and time again. All we're doing is building in our mind neural pathways that connect. They improve our muscle memory. Anybody who plays an instrument knows or plays, you know, or even does machinery, or when you drive your car, you're using muscle memory. You don't have to think about what you do when you change your gears and you steer your car, or at least, you know, sometimes we're asleep at the wheel, but you sometimes, you don't always have to be concentrating on it. You have to think, okay, change gear, no turn wheel. You do it automatically. Why? Because you put it into yourself by doing it repeatedly and repeatedly and repeatedly. And so that trust in God can become part of our reflex response to situations we face, but only if we remind ourselves again and again and again of God's promises and God's good purposes and plans for our lives. I want to look at this passage again in Hebrews chapter 4. May God bless us as we read it. Here he says, he says, so the, the promise of entering God's rest still stands. So God made them a promise. You can enter my rest. Believe me, trust me, obey me. The promise is there for you. You will be looked after. So we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. We should be genuinely afraid that we don't experience the rest that God plans for us. It says tremble with fear. Tremble with fear. That you might fail to experience it. He goes on to say, For this good news that God has prepared a rest has been announced to us just as it was announced to them. Hallelujah. The same message, I'm going to look after you. I'll go before you. I will protect you. I will be your provider. All those same messages were preached to them. They were all preached to them just as they were announced to us. So we've got the same message. Hallelujah, God hasn't changed. Same yesterday, today, and forever. The same message. The promise is the same. And they heard it and we heard it. He goes on to say, but it did them no good because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. Who listened to God. He goes on to say this. 
For only we who believe can enter his rest. Only we who believe can enter his rest. It's only by believing. It's only by trusting. It's only by clinging to. It's only by being diligent and holding on to those promises of God will we ever really enter his rest. I'm moving fairly swiftly. But I love it says this. But they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. We're going to get to that in a second because listening to God is different from just hearing God. You can hear something, but you may not be listening. We'll get to that in a second. So he goes on to say, so God's rest is still there for people to enter. Would anyone say amen? Will you give me an amen in the comments? God's rest is still there for people to enter. It's still there. If you're tuned in this morning and you're on the borderlands of faith and you're not 100% sure, I don't know about these Christians at all. I'm not entirely sure about the way. Let me tell you this. God's rest is still waiting for you to enter it. You can still experience God's rest just as really as they did. But those who first heard it did no good because they, it says it did them no good. This good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. Let me read that again. But those who first heard this good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. So he says, so God said another time for entering his rest. And that time is today. He said another time for entering his rest. And that time is today. Not tomorrow. Not you missed the boat, you missed the bus. Not, oh, that plane is flown. Not, oh, well, that bird is gone. No, no, he said another time. And that time is today. There are two words that keep on reappearing in Hebrews chapter 3. And Hebrews chapter 4, uh, if you will, in the latter half of Hebrews 3 and, and, and in all of Hebrews chapter 4. And those two words, the first word is rest. Rest. Cataposis is what it means. And it means to take a place of dwelling, a place of no longer wandering, a place of no, no longer being restless. Because you know what? We're restless. I love what Augustine of Hippo said. Our hearts are restless, O God, and they will not find their rest until they rest in you and we are we're restless in heart we're restless in mind but this word kataposis is god's intentions the greek word kataposis it means to take a dwelling it means to put down your tent pegs it means to build a home in a place of rest to no longer wander restlessly throughout the earth in search of that rest you know the thing about it is that is available and it's only available today and this isn't like a, this isn't sales, this isn't, and you can only get that special offer today. The thing about this special offer is it is only available today. It isn't available for tomorrow because we can only experience God's grace for today. And today is really important. Why is today really important? Today is really important because today is the resistance that we can experience to spiritual procrastination. Spiritual procrastination. You see, some of us think that we will know God's rest if we do, do lots of time and discipline and this kind of stuff. And if we spend all of our spiritual disciplines and we get them all right and we, we read all the time very diligently. And if we pray all the time very diligently and all those things are extremely good and they will help us to sustain the experience of God's rest. But it is available today. It is available today. And I want to challenge you. Again, if you're on the borderlands of belief, if you've been walking with struggle and worry and 
weary and restlessness. Today you can enter it. Don't put it off any further. Go and be in the presence of God. Go and open up his word. Go and listen to what he has to say because that rest is available. I like what J.R.R. Tolkien said. He talked about the, the hobbits when they... The, the, the hobbits, when they get to, it, it's in Lord of the Rings. I'm quoting Lord, what's his name? Leo Wrightley was quoting Lord of the Rings as well. But I'm quoting Lord of the Rings. Where th there is this scene where the hobbits go to Rivendell, which is the home of Elrond, the house of Elrond, which is the home of the, of the elves. And he goes there and it says about the hobbits who had been through a very difficult journey. He said, the thoughts of tomorrow weren't dismissed from their mind, but they failed to cast any shadow into their present. And that's the problem. You see, some of us live years in advance. We worry about things that are years and years ahead when God is saying, today is the day of salvation. Jesus said, pray when you pray, pray. Give us today our daily bread. This Sunday, this today can be your day to experience God's rest and peace in your life. Let's look at just a couple of examples of what it says. It says, today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 8. It goes on to say this, you must encourage each other every day while it is still Today, another example, here is in Hebrews 3.13. Here it is again. Remember what it says. Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Let me say it to you. Don't harden your hearts. If you feel God and you sense his voice, today is the day to be reconciled with someone that you have fallen out with. Today is the day to come back and reestablish your relationship with God. Today is the day to turn back and go into his presence. Today is the day to give. Today is the day to forgive. Today is the day, the only day, in which you can act in terms of God's purposes and God's plans. Remember what it says. Today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Here it is said twice in Hebrews 3.8 and 3.15. It's not the only place it says it because, like I said earlier, it says God said another day to for entering his rest and that time is when today here it is again and here for a fifth example here it is God announced this through David David I think it's in Psalm 95 much later in the words already quoted today when you hear his voice don't harden your hearts don't harden your hearts and you see we can kind of go oh harden your hearts means to be cross or to be angry or to be annoyed or kind of stiff and it can be that absolutely people can harden their hearts look let, let, let me give you an example of somebody hardening their hearts to somebody else's voice you saw it I saw it we all saw it George Floyd was crying out he was saying I can't breathe I can't breathe but the police officer kneeling on his neck he hardened his heart he didn't listen to what he had to say and you saw the results the results was his death because he hardened his heart sometimes we harden our hearts to one another Sometimes we harden our hearts to God. But you know what the curious thing about hardening hearts is this. Very often we do hear but we don't listen. You know, I, I remember when we were kids, or not when we were kids, I remember when I was kids it was reality, but when, when our kids were small, they would often be playing maybe in the back garden or on the street just outside our house and that kind of stuff. Our kids and the kids on the street or whatever would all be playing. And they'd go to the front door and I'd say, Robin, Fionn, Rory, d d come in, your dinner is ready, your dinner is ready. And they would hear me quite clearly but they absolutely would ignore me because they were busy on skateboards or bikes or having fun with their friends. And I'd call again, your dinner's ready, come in, come in, mind the traffic. Yeah, yeah, didn't want to know, just to hear, but they're not listening. But the minute you said, ice cream, 
Everybody paid attention. Everybody suddenly sat up and listened. The minute you said something that they wanted to hear, they sat up and listened. But let me tell you this, that what God is saying is something, whether you know it or not, you want to hear it because it is a promise for your life. Don't waste 40 years of your life doing what Ecclesiastes calls chasing the wind, thinking that that rest and that peace that only God offers is available in some other route. It isn't. It isn't available in fame or fashion or fortune. It isn't available. That rest and that peace is not available through finances. It's not available through some notion of expressive freedom. It isn't available. That rest and that freedom are only available in Jesus Christ. Don't waste your life chasing after the wind. Don't throw your life away on the hedonic treadmill, waiting for the next thing to come along, waiting always with that hope for the future always just beyond you. Hope is very important, and we look at that another day, but today is the day of salvation. If you are tuned into this, whether you're watching now live or you're watching on Catch Up later, whether you're on YouTube or wherever, can I encourage you? Today, today, invite Jesus into your life. Today, surrender your life. Ask God for his forgiveness. Ask him to come in and be part of the reality of your life. Be part of the reality of your life. The urgency, the reason I couldn't leave this passage was because of the urgency of the today, 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 today. Don't harden your heart today. And you know, I may not have said in the last 20 minutes what it was that God wants to say to you today, though I do believe God wants to say this. There may be other things in your heart and soul that you know God has spoken to you, but you don't want to hear them and you don't want to do them because you think they're hard or you think they're difficult or you think they're beyond you or you're just so used to procrastinating at this stage. Everything will wait until tomorrow. It won't because we never know. We never know when our last day will come. We never know when we're going to run out of time. Make sure that you keep short accounts with people. Make sure that you give and forgive today. Make it happen today. Make sure that you connect with Jesus, remembering his words from Matthew 11, when he said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Can I just remind you of something very important? And that is the rest that God gives, the rest that Jesus gives, is not the primary thing. Jesus is the primary thing. He is the first thing. But if you seek the first thing, you will get the second thing, which is God's rest. I want to remind you of another scripture at the very end. It's also taken from both Hebrews and from Deuteronomy. And I want to leave you with this because when we talk about, uh, we're talking a little bit about um, looking at God's word and, and letting it, change our lives and giving us life and so on and so forth is the coming to me it's coming and hearing the words of jesus hearing the words of jesus that are important remember he said i do not leave you as orphans there are no orphans in the kingdom of god and i love what it says in deuteronomy when god encourages the people as they're about to cross into canaan and again it's here at the end of hebrews at the end of the book of hebrews the same quote is used it says this Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. That's God's voice to you today. He is reminding you he will never, ever leave you. He will never forsake you. 
He will watch over you. You know, I love it when the Psalms talk about watching over us when we're old and grey, that we will still bear fruit in season. We will be rich and ripe and flourishing even at that age. May God bless his word to our hearts. I'm going to pray just for a second, just before we close. Now, sometimes when we pray, we basically do a recap in our prayers, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to keep this prayer short. I'm going to ask you, would you pray with me? Uh, you can stand, lift up your hands, lift up your head, but above all else, lift up your soul to the Lord this morning as we pray. Let's pray very briefly. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you have a plan for us, that we can experience your rest, and that you give the grace for us to experience that today. Give us the wisdom and the strength not to waste our lives on worry, which wearies us out. Not to waste our lives on chasing after the wind, which will never satisfy us. Lord, teach us, Lord, to remember to rest in you and in your promises and in your purposes for our lives. We commit our everyday cares into your hands every day. We commit them into your hands. We read your promises and remind ourselves of your good purposes for our lives every day. We try to encourage one another as long as it is called today. So today, Lord, I pray that there will be hearts surrendered to you for the first time. I pray there will be people who will know forgiveness and reconciliation with others today, Lord. There will be others, Lord, who will realize that all the worry and the stress and the strain is worthless, wearisome and unnecessary when they can come to you and you will give them rest minister your rest minister your peace to us today in jesus mighty name and i'm asking all god's people to say amen, amen. god bless you lads god bless you now one of the things i want to finish up with before before i get done done and that's this just to remind you i'm going to be here again on tuesday night. we're going to be here the team of three the o'donovan three are going to be here again on tuesday night. and we're going to be looking a little bit further at this because what i want to look at is i want to move on a little bit further in hebrews 4 to a passage i haven't covered before and that is because there's a kind of an incongruity it doesn't seem to fit but when you examine it it makes perfect sense how is it that we can be reminded of god's promises how can we be built up how can we actually walk in that daily rest what is it that we can actually cling to We'll be looking at that on Tuesday night. Until then, may God bless you and go.